Well, if you've got your Bibles with you, we'll be opening up to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. Luke chapter 16 in your Bibles. And we're going to be looking at a portion of Scripture here tonight, one that's been, it's been some people would say they've debated on it, there's, there's some differing opinions on it. And it's one that some people would say, man, we can, we can pull a lot of truths, we can pull a lot of doctrines out of this. And a lot of people say, oh, well, it's just something that's a good story for us to read. But folks, I believe that the Bible, it gives us all Scripture, and it all comes by inspiration of God. It's all here for a purpose. It's all here for a reason. And tonight we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that I think is going to be familiar to you, and we're going to learn some things from it. So let's look at Luke chapter 16, and we'll start reading in verse number 19. The Bible says this, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted. And thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, again, help us to understand something from this scripture. I pray that you would help us to see it exactly as you would have us to. And again, above all things, may you be honored in it. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first big thing that we look at when we see this picture, there's a big debate that goes on. And it's not in here, but it's amongst people that study the Bible. And the debate is this. Is what we're reading, is this something that really happened or is it a parable? And I'm going to show you why there's two sides of this argument. And I'm going to tell you which one that I personally believe and why I believe it. Folks, there's a lot of people that look at this and they would say, oh, this is, this is just a parable because Jesus, he is talking. And when he's talking, a lot of times he uses stories. He'll tell a really good, a really interesting story, you know, be one that we can, we can learn from. And here you have two people, they've died and you've got one being tortured and you have one being uh, comforted. And they can see each other, they're talking to each other. And, and so they kind of have this relationship and he just wants people to go back and tell people not to come here. And it's, it's a really good parable. Well, folks, I'm going to show you that I don't believe it's a parable. And then I'm also going to show you why I believe they were able to talk to one another even after they were dead. The number one reason I don't believe it's a parable is because of this. 
right here in your Bibles, if you want to do this with me, I'm going to show you something really interesting. If you were to flip back just one page to start off with, uh, there's, there's a lot of paragraphs. Your Bible may or may not have it. But with each paragraph, it kind of gives you a little title. And it'll say, for example, in chapter 14, verse 16, it says, There's a parable of the Great Supper. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many to, to come to him. And then on down it would say in verse number 28, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. That's a parable. Uh, and then you've got a king going to war in verse number 31. Or what king going to make a war against another sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able to a 10,000 meet that cometh against him. Folks, what we're seeing here is this. Parable after parable, the Lord does this. He either, number one, says, let me tell you a parable. Or number two, he says, there was this certain guy that did this certain thing. And let me kind of tell you this story. He tells you that it's not about a certain person. See, even here when you see the lost son, the prodigal son, we've heard this. Look at verse number 11 of chapter 15. A certain man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, and then there was the older son. So he says, there's a man, and the man had two sons. You have other times where they actually use the word parable. Chapter 14, verse number 7. Chapter 14, verse number 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked of how they chose him in the chief room saying unto them and he goes to tell them that parable folks and he's another one just because chapter 13 verse number 6 he spake also this parable a certain man had a fig tree planted folks parables were always very general I'm going to tell you this parable. There was a certain guy, he had a son, then he had another son. There was this man that did this. I want you to imagine there was a king that did this. Now all of a sudden, he gets over here to chapter 16, and look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. How come now all of a sudden this guy has a name? Because the guy had a name. He said this was something that happened. There was a rich man and there was a beggar named Lazarus. Folks, we believe that this would be something that actually happened. It's a historic account. No other parable in the Bible gives a person a name. No other parable in the Bible the Lord speaks in such a way as to say this is what happened. He talks about the man named Abraham that actually lived. And the, uh, the rich man, he says, look, I've got four brothers that are still alive. And then Abraham says, yeah, what about Moses? What about the prophets? Folks, those are real people. They're real people named in this historic account. And I believe this to be absolutely true. So, now we have to ask ourselves this question. If this is really true... How did all the things happen here that the Bible just said? Because it said the rich man, he went and he was being tormented. And then Lazarus went and he went to a place where he was comforted. And they saw each other. The Bible says after they died, the, the rich man, he was over here, he was being tormented. And he yelled. He saw Abraham afar and says, Abraham, let Lazarus come and give me just a drop of water because I'm being tormented. Then Abraham yelled back and said, no, we can't. He says, you can't come here and we can't go there. There's a great gulf between us. And then he says, well, then send someone to tell my brothers so they don't come here either. 
You see, they're talking back and forth. And then Abraham yells back, No, if they have Moses. They have the prophets. Let them listen to the preachers. And folks, the man says, Yeah, they're not going to listen to the preachers. If they would just hear someone from the dead, then, then they would believe. But folks, the fact is, they had the, the Bible. They had some, at least some scriptures, not as we have it now. But they had some scriptures. They had Moses. They had the law. They had a way to hear the truth of God's word. So we ask ourselves this. Was this, is this a picture of heaven and hell? I mean, do you have them side by side? Well, that would, that, that doesn't make sense. Heaven is where, where God is. And then it says this, they took Lazarus to a place called Abraham's bosom. What, what is that place? And so we're going to learn a few things. Folks, we're going to learn some stuff that's very pertinent to us. And then we're going to learn some stuff about Bible history tonight, too, that I think is going to be very interesting to you. Well, the first thing we're going to go ahead and see is this, is you have the rich man. Let's take a look at this rich man for a moment. And let's learn something about him. Folks, the Bible doesn't give us the rich man's name, although it does give us Lazarus's name. But this rich man, we know he was a guy that he, being clothed in purple, that was a very costly, uh, costly type of color, costly type of clothing. It was usually worn by royalty. It says, and he had fine linen, and he fared sumptuously. He had all this food. But folks, we see this man out here. He was Lazarus. And day after day, Lazarus was hungry. He was a beggar. He had nothing. The Bible says that Lazarus had sores. Folks, in some way, Lazarus was diseased, and he was unable to take care of himself. We don't know how, but the Bible says he was covered with sores. And being diseased that way, it made him a beggar. And so the rich man, he, we, we could see that he knew Lazarus was there. You wouldn't have a diseased beggar sitting at your front gate every day and not know about it. I mean, you, you just can't. You would know he was there. And so the Bible says that the rich man, he never gave to the things of Lazarus. He was selfish. And so we see this rich man being someone that's self-centered. He's selfish. He's caring about himself and is... Is having money and having things a sin? No. I mean, in fact, Solomon, one of the richest men that ever lived, one of God's men. There's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with having money. But the Bible says having the love of money, that's when the sin comes. When I let money be my God, when I let money be my guide, when I, when I become this greedy miser, that's when it becomes a sin. So we got this guy, he's this rich man, he never would have gave. He was, he, he was a selfish man. You know, the Bible talks about it being easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to see the kingdom of God. That's kind of the thing because money, boy, it can cause people to be greedy. It really can. The money itself is not an evil thing. But when a man falls in love with money, boy, that will control him. And we see that being something that happened with the rich man. So we see him as someone that is lost, someone that was unsaved. And we know this for a fact. Folks, when we look at a passage of Scripture like this, the Bible says that he went, he died, and he was buried. It says it in verse number 23. And in hell... He lift up his eyes, being in torments. In hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. There's some people that would like to believe, oh, when a person dies, he's just, he's just dead. That's the end of it. There's nothing left. Well, no, we absolutely know there's more to life after death. Lazarus, a different Lazarus, he died and he was brought back from the dead. Jesus himself died and came back from the dead. We know there is more that goes on after death. We don't just die and that's the end of it. Furthermore, 
Some people believe that when you die, you go to hell and you burn up. And then that's, then that's just the end of it. Your soul is, is over and done with. Well, if that's the case, how was the rich man able to open his eyes saying, oh boy, it's hot down here. I, I am being tormented. Abraham, send me Lazarus so I can have just a little bit of water to cool me from being tormented. If he was burned up, how was he able to be awake and look around and know what was going on? Because the soul doesn't just burn up, poof, and gone. It is continuous. Folks, this afterlife, this place of paradise and this place of torment, they are very real things. Our soul lives on after this body dies. If you go back to what we talked about in our Genesis series, do you remember when we talked about where the, the, we came from? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Folks, God's a spirit. The spirit world made the physical world that we have now. And when this part's all gone, the spirit world will still be there. We still have those spirits. Even when all of this is over and done with, we will still have that. So when my body dies, yeah, my spirit lives on. Even if that is in a place of torment, my spirit will live on, just like it did for this man. The Bible says he lift up his eyes, being in torment. He was able to think. He knew what was going on. Folks, he did go to hell. And if we believe this passage to be a historic account, as I do, he is there to this day. And that's not, a, that's not a pleasant thought. A lot of times things in the Bible aren't always pleasant thoughts, but they're truthful thoughts. Just as we look sometimes at our own history, there are sometimes we, we study and we learn about wars, and we learn about the thousands and millions of men that have died in wars in history past. It's not a wonderful thing to think about, but it's true. And folks, very much the same way. So that's also, we see the rich man. He's represented here as the man that is lost between the two. Now let's look at Lazarus. In verse number 25, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. This is Abraham talking. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. So this isn't God talking. Jesus and God, they're not in this this scenario. They're not here talking. They're, this is Abraham. So Father Abraham, the Abraham that, that, that was the father of all the Jewish people, he looks at him and says, son, probably meaning the rich man was a Jew. That's why I would have called him son. He says, look, in your lifetime, you had all the good stuff and you didn't care anything about the things of God. But Lazarus over here, he didn't have anything. He was someone that was humble and he was someone that was poor in spirit. And no doubt being in paradise, he would have been someone that believed and called on the name of God. And now he is someone that is receiving the good things. Folks, just because someone is poor, just because someone is needy, just because someone is, is sick as Lazarus was, does not mean that automatically they're going to be in paradise when, uh, when they die. Some people believe that Okay, if you, if you suffered here on the earth, then automatically God will have a special place for you. Well, well, we don't see that in Scripture. All we see is those that asked forgiveness of their sin and trusted in God and those that didn't, regardless of what you had. Folks, in heaven, there will be both rich people and poor people. In hell, there will be both rich people and poor people. But here for this scenario, we see this, though. Lazarus, I think he's a good representation of those that are saved because... The Bible says that God's children, they are people that are poor in spirit. They're humble. They're meek. They're not people that are misers. They're not people that are greedy. They're the ones that the world looks at. And oftentimes, God's people, a lot of times, they're the outcast. I mean, look, look at Jesus himself. He was the king of kings. 
They hated him so much they put him on the cross. They hated him so much they tried to stone him. They cursed him. They spit on him. And he was perfect. Folks, I don't know why, but the world, they just naturally seem to hate the things of God. And they hate God's people. And so we see Lazarus, he was the one that was down in the gutter. And we realize he was diseased, but we also find he was the one that found himself in paradise. Folks, he was taken to a place called Abraham's bosom. And when he was there, we know that he was comforted. While, yeah, on this earth, he was diseased. There, he was comforted. Now, here's a couple truths that we're going to look at. And we're going to get into the meat of this. And this is something that, that is going to kind of be the history. And I hope this is something they'll find, you'll find interesting. Ask yourself this question. And this is where we're going to kind of start off with it all. How is it that I am able to go to heaven? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we, we've heard that verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the door. I am the way. Jesus shed blood on the cross of Calvary is how I get to heaven. So what about guys like Moses? What about guys like Abraham? They lived not knowing who Jesus was. Jesus hadn't been born yet. Jesus hadn't shed his blood yet. So how were they able to get to God if Jesus hadn't come yet? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? How is it that people in the Old Testament could get to God? Well, the simple fact is they couldn't. There was no way they would be able to get to God until Jesus came and died on the cross. And here's what I want to show you. I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out on the line, and then I'm going to prove it to you with Scriptures. In the Old Testament, when people died, they went to a place, and this is a fancy word. You probably only hear it this once. They went to a place, if you look in the, again, the Hebrew, it would be called Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. Which basically just means this, the place of the dead. And we believe, based off of scriptures, you know how many times people say, I went down into hell? We believe this place to be in, in the earth somewhere. Now, spiritually, I don't think you could dig a hole and go find it. But we believe that just to be down, wherever down is. In hell, it has two compartments. Over here, you have the place of torment, which is where Laz uh, the rich man went. And over here, you have a place called Abraham's bosom a place of paradise. This isn't there anymore, and I'm going to prove it to you. But this is the place where guys like Abraham and Jonah and David and Solomon and, and Adam, these men in the Old Testament that couldn't go to see God yet, this is where they would have went. Abraham's bosom. This is where Lazarus went. Abraham's bosom. Notice, when Jesus was on the cross with the thief, what did Jesus say to that thief? He said, this day you will be with me in Paradise. Notice he didn't say you'll be with me in the presence of God. He didn't say anything about the Father. He said you'll be with me in a place of paradise. We believe that to be this same place, Abraham's bosom. I'll prove that to you in a minute too. So here underneath the earth, we believe there would have been this place of hell and there would have been this place here of Abraham's bosom. Both are places just of the dead, where the dead people go. I'm going to show you this too, and I think you'll find this interesting. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. Um, I want to see if I have one. I did have some. They're all gone. Okay, well, have you ever, have you ever got, got a cut or gotten hurt? 
<laughs> Caitlin has three of them on her finger right now. When, when you get hurt, you go to the medicine cabinet and, and you, you get something and you wrap it around your finger. And we call that a Band-Aid, right? And that's what you do. Now, is a Band-Aid actually what that's called? Well, you call it a bandage. Band-Aid is a brand. It's a brand name. What's that jingle? I'm not stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid's stuck on me or something. I don't know. It's a brand. Or if you're going to go get a tissue, you're going to blow your nose. And I see a box of tissue. That's what I was looking for because we had some up here. And you grab a tissue and you're going to grab it and you, and you pull it out. You're going to blow your nose. Many times I've looked at that and I've called that a Kleenex. Even though Kleenex is a brand. It's not actually what it is. It's just a brand. We have used the word hell so much for just the place of torment, we have forgotten that it actually had these two sections. I'm going to show you that David, being a righteous man, talked about the other place. Take, uh, flip with me, if you would, over here to the book of Psalms. I want to show you this verse. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to read the book of Psalms, chapter number 16. Psalms chapter number 16 and verse number 10. David talked about this place of paradise, although he was using the word hell, meaning sheol, meaning the whole thing. Look at verse number 10. Psalm 16, verse number 10. Actually, let's, let's read 8, 9, and 10. All three, because it'll help us. Verse number 8. Psalm 16, verse number 8. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Look, he's happy. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Interesting. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, one of two things is true. Either King David actually went to hell, or he's using the word hell, meaning that place of paradise where he went, where he wasn't going to stay forever. Folks, what happened? To just go ahead and complete the story, because I'm going to prove them to you point by point. When Jesus Christ died, he was on the cross, and he died. His body was in the grave for three days. For three days... He went down and went over here to where all those Old Testament saints were. And then three days later, he took them to heaven with him because now the price had been paid. Now the payment was over. And he took all those Old Testament saints with him to heaven. That's what David was talking about. Thou will not leave my soul in hell. David was down here in Abraham's bosom in his place of paradise. And he knew he wasn't going to have to be there forever because he was one day going to get to go see God the Father when Jesus finished making the payment. See, this place down here, it's not there anymore. God took them all to heaven. And I'm going to prove that to you here with a few more verses. So we saw number one. We've already learned, obviously, Old Testament saints couldn't go see God until... Jesus had paid the payment. David, he talked about it. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, meaning the general place of the dead. We usually mean the bad one, but he was using hell in general, the place of the dead. And he, so David, he talked about it. And I'm going to show you another verse of Scripture. And, and we'll not turn to it because you actually already know this one. If we were to go to the book of John, and maybe you will remember this. 
Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, he was in the grave for three days. And then Mary, she was at the grave and she saw the tomb. It was open and she was down on her hands and knees and she was weeping and she was crying. And then Jesus walked over to her and said, Mary, what are you crying for? Do you remember what Mary thought when she heard Jesus' name? She thought that Jesus was just like a gardener or just some man that was there working. And then when she looked and she saw that it was Jesus, she ran to him and Jesus said, Mary, stop, whoa. Don't touch me. Jesus said, don't touch me because I have not yet ascended to my Father. What he said was, I haven't gone to heaven yet. But where had he been for the past three days? Jesus died on the cross three days ago and he hadn't gone back to heaven yet? Why? Because he went down to the place of the dead, that Abraham's bosom, that place of comfort, that place of paradise in a sense. This place where those that trusted God before the payment had been made, He went down there with them. Now folks, that's not there anymore because like we said, payment's been made. And then after Jesus said this to Mary, Mary, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my Father yet. I haven't gone up to heaven yet. You can't touch me. And there's a lot of significance to that, but it's for a different message. So they, they had that short conversation. And then when he left there, Jesus went on up to heaven. Then he went the rest of the way. He went to heaven. He got to see God. When you go over to Hebrews, Jesus took his own blood and he put that blood on the mercy seat, which is the Ark of the Covenant. By the way, they're never going to find the Ark of the Covenant because it's in heaven. And it's got Jesus' blood on it. In the Old Testament, they would take lamb's blood and put that on the Ark of the Covenant. But now it's in heaven with God with Jesus' blood on it. It's a beautiful picture. But that's what Jesus did. He went and rescued those people out of Abraham's bosom. Yeah, it was a place of paradise, but it wasn't heaven yet. So he took them up to heaven so they could forever be with the Lord. Folks, that's not there anymore. That Abraham's bosom is gone. And we know that they, those two, they would have been beside each other because look at what it says in verse, uh, oh, I flipped it, Luke 16. I want to read this to you. Luke 16 in verse number 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Folks, wherever these two men were, one man was being tormented, one man was being comforted. And they were in a far off distance. And they could yell at each other but they were in two different places. They could see each other, but they were in two different places. One was in torment. One was being comforted. And folks, that's not something that we have to worry about. This is why we don't talk about this very much because Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And for 2,000 years, that place hasn't even been there because Jesus took them all to heaven. That's why when you and I die, we just go straight up. We just going up to where Jesus is because the payment's already been made. I have already received my ransom. I'm already a part of the family of God. I get to go straight to God when I die. I don't have to go to this other place. It's not there. Now, what does that mean for section number two? Well, it's not going to be there forever either. It's still there for now. That place of torment, it's still there. But one day, it's going to be gone too. Just like Abraham's bosom went up with God one day this place here this place of hell this place of death this place of torment it's going to be gone as well I've got another verse of scripture I'm going to show you and this is one that in a way it's, it's kind of sad but it, but it does prove our point folks let's go to Revelation chapter number 20 
one of the very last chapters in the Bible, Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, folks, here's what we've just seen. And when you study the whole book of Revelation, there's a lot going on there. But notice, it gives us the final destination. It says this other section here, not Abraham's bosom, has already gone up. Now we've got this other one down below the earth that's still there to this day. The Bible says when everything is said and done, when Jesus has come back, when the battle of Armageddon is over, He is going to take what's left of hell, that place of the dead, that place of torment. He's going to take that and cast it into the lake of fire, which is another place. So Abraham's bosom went up, and then the place of hell, it's going to be going somewhere else, to the lake of fire, where that's going to be from then on. Death itself cast into the lake of fire. Hell itself, the place of the dead, cast into the lake of fire. Folks, I, don't, I, I can't describe to you what the lake of fire is. I've not seen it. I've not been there. None of us have. But this much I do know. That is going to be the very end of sin. When all sin is gone, when all unrighteousness is gone, and the only thing that's left are those that love and honor Jesus Christ. And everything will be perfect. And everything will be right. But folks, what we learn though is that this, based off of this passage of Scripture, we have learned that there is a definite place for those that love God, such as Lazarus. They will always be considered God's children. They were in that place here for a while, and then they went up the place of hell. Eventually it will be cast into the lake of fire. That's why when we say hell today, we only mean the one compartment that's left. Because Abraham's bosom's not there anymore. This section that used to be there, yeah, it's gone. So when we say hell, yeah, we can rightfully say this. But that's not what David meant when he said it. He was talking about this other section, this section of paradise. So what does this mean to me? And, and, and I hope I'm doing a good job of explaining it. Here's, here's what this means to me, and this is what I need to take with me. Notice what he said. If you're still in Luke chapter 16, there's something very important that that rich man said. Verse number 27, he says this. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify them that they also come into, that they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This guy, this rich man, he went down to hell. He was in the section of torment. And he was there. And while he was being tormented, he looked at Abraham and says, Abraham, I've got five brothers. I don't want any of them to come here. And I believe this. If any man, any person is in that place of torment today, if they could tell us one thing, if they could tell us one thing, they would say, please go and tell so that no one else would have to come here ever again. Go and tell my family. Go and tell my friends. I don't want anyone else to come here. Go and tell them. Don't let them die not knowing about the goodness of God. Folks, that's a message that he said to Abraham. And he said, yeah, they've got the prophets. They've got the scriptures. They've got the preachers. That's who they need to listen to. And I want to tell you, there have been people that I have, been, that I have witnessed to. I've told them about God. And they've said, nah, that's not for me. Nah, I don't, you know, I don't care about it. And the whole time, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, don't you understand? 
Do, do you not understand what's at stake? Do you, do you not understand that there is, there is a very real afterlife you have to be ready for? And folks, I think when we see something like that, we have to be, we have to be sensitive to the fact that, that there are going to be people that go there and unless they hear the gospel, they'll never know. And unless someone tells them, they'll never know. And folks, that's a huge responsibility on our part. And so just, just to kind of wrap it all up, and I don't want to labor this point. I just want to make sure that I, I've done a good job being clear with this. Folks, this thing that we talked about tonight with the rich man with Lazarus, I believe it absolutely to be a true story. We see a real person's name. We see a real family. We see Abraham. We see Moses. We see people that have lived and have died. And we saw that there was these two men that died. They went under the earth into two different places. Torment, Abraham's bosom. And then when Jesus up here on earth, when he died on the cross, he went down to Abraham's bosom and then he brought them out of that and he took them to heaven with him because the payment was made. But those that were being tormented in hell, they're still there. And they'll be there until Jesus is done, until the last day. And the last thing that happens is that hell and all that's in it and all that's left will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. And that will be the end of Jesus' timeline. And folks, I know that's kind of some pretty deep stuff. We don't have to worry about Abraham's bosom. If you were here this tonight and you were a Christian, when you die, you go straight to be with the Lord because we're, we're after the payment. Abraham's bosom, those guys, they're already up there. We get to go join them. And you know, I look forward to that day. But I want you to believe this and I want you to understand that this is why we teach it, is that there is an absolutely an afterlife. There is a heaven there is a hell. There is torture. There is paradise. And it's our job to go and tell that message so that they will know that they can go to be with the Lord when they die. Are we doing our job? Are we, are we telling others that they can go to heaven? I mean, think of this. What if that rich man down there, what if he were speaking to me? What if he yelled at me about his five brothers? Hey, go, go tell my five brothers so they don't come down here to where I am. Well, that would be a tough thing. That would be a hard thing to hear. But in essence, that just what happened because God put it in here for us to read it so that we would know about it. Folks, let's be busy about telling others and let's make sure that we are doing our part to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. So what we'll do is let's have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And I understand that tonight it had, it had some pretty... Some pretty doctrinal and, and deep theological stuff in it. But I think it's important for us to understand that there will always be a place of paradise and there will always be a place of torture. And let's see to it that we are busy about telling others of these truths. Our God in heaven, we do love you. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ, of his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Lord, I'm thankful that it was because of that blood that we are able to go and see God the Father. I'm thankful that you are the way. I'm thankful for that gift that you have given us. And Lord, help us to be busy about telling others about that truth. Now, folks, as the music softly plays here for just a moment, this will be your opportunity to do business with the Lord. Is there someone around you, someone that you know, you might be thinking to yourself, unless I tell them, they'll never know. 
boy, the rich man, he is someone that's still there in torment even into this day. And it's a very simple choice. All that I must do is choose to put my faith in Jesus Christ and have my sin forgiven. And boy, with that forgiveness of sin, I can forever be with the Lord. Such a simple message. But what a lasting consequence. Oh God, again, we love you. And I'm thankful that you made that way, that you are that way for us to be able to stand before God and the Father. I pray and I ask you that tonight you would help us to to be busy about spreading your message, about telling the truths of God's word. And Lord, help us to understand and never to take lightly just how wonderful it is the gift that you have given. And Lord, help us to never take lightly just how awful sin really is. And Lord, the penalty that it brings. Help us to be busy and help us to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be a light into those around us. And may in all we do, we honor and glorify you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.